It's time for Business Minds Coffee Chat, an inspiring show about the journey to personal and professional growth. And now, your host, Jay Shear. Hey everyone, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat, and I am your host, Jay Shear. And I am super excited today to bring you an interview I did with Mike McCallowitz. Mike is an entrepreneur and one of the world's most popular speakers on entrepreneurial and business topics. His best selling books include Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, and Clockwork. Mike's devoted his life to making entrepreneurship simple. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Our guest is a husband and father, an entrepreneur, one of the world's most popular speakers on small business topics, and a best-selling author whose books cover everything a small business owner needs to know to level up their business, become more profitable, and create more success and freedom. He started his first business out of college built and sold two multi-million dollar companies, and has since built three more multi-million dollar businesses. Like most success stories, he's also experienced his share of struggles from being broke financially, emotionally, and physically. Please welcome the man who's on a mission to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty, Mike McCallowitz. Mike, it's great to see you. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, Jay, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, thank you. So let's jump right in. I, I'm curious, you know, looking over your, your plethora of, of work and, and all of the amazing things that you've done, what words would you use to describe yourself? Uh, regular guy. <laughs> like when I heard you read an intro, I'm like, oh my God, I sound like such a tool, you know, multi-billion dollar business bad and so forth. It's I really struggle with complex things and endeavor to make them simple for myself. And then it's like to share them with others. So uh, I'm an author, an author guy, and I like to take complex subjects, make them simpler. I apply them in my business as a test. And when they work, I like to share them. That's really who I am. Perfect. Well, we're certainly going to talk more about that in your most recent book, but I am curious if we could go back for just a minute or two and talk a bit about your, where your story really began. Focus in on some of the early experiences that you had that shaped the person who you've become today? I, I think there was two significant moments that worked in parallel that, that awoke me to, to a new approach to entrepreneurship and, and kind of defines how I live my life today. Mm-hmm. I started my first business out of college, not because not I wanted to, I couldn't get a job. So I started my first company and I did fall in love with the entrepreneurial experience in the early days, uh, as in my early 20s when I started my first company. But and this is one thing I conveniently leave at my CV. That business was computer services was never profitable. It was always day-to-day survival. Uh, I, it was exhausting. Um, I subsequently did sell that business. And I thought, oh, you don't make money running a business. You make money selling a business. I created a second company in computer crime investigation. I was in the right place, right time, got big opportunities. The company grew in revenue from a brand new startup to a $7 million run in two and a half years when a Fortune 500 called Robert Half International came in and acquired us. I was like, oh, you make money selling. That business actually had $300,000 of debt. I was running it so poorly when I was running it. And uh, that's what I thought the approach was, pump and dump. My third business, which I also conveniently leave off my CV, was uh, an incubator as an angel investor. I started to spend money 
from the money I'd made selling my businesses to start all these different businesses. And they all collapsed. Not, not because they were bad business owners that I invested in other people and not because they were bad business ideas. I had no clue what I was doing. And my big fat ego said, ah, if I just push harder and strong, I'll get through this. I lost everything, everything financially. And uh, I actually lost my house as a result. I lost all possessions and we had to restart. I, I had three children at the time, my wife and we, I saw three children. We, we had to move to a friend's house who granted us their house because they were going on a, uh, international work tour and they wanted a house sitter and we served that capacity. Um, my daughter, I'll never forget this. When I told my family we're losing our house, I was crying. I was so ashamed. I had not been telling them. I'd been lying by omission. Everything's fine when it wasn't. My daughter ran to her bedroom to grab her piggy bank and came to me and she goes, daddy, since you can't provide for this family anymore, I'll be the provider. And she was nine. I was, I felt so badly about myself. I was proud of her. I was so embarrassed by myself, but it was those two things of the experience I had, quote unquote, growing businesses, but really not growing healthy businesses and going broke that triggered me to reinvestigate everything about entrepreneurship. And I'm still on that path. I've only scratched the surface, but now I've written, uh, I'm, I'm eight books in and I have more coming all on elements of entrepreneurship that I didn't understand. And I spend every day now investigating what makes these different elements work. I learn from others. I compile, I test out my own businesses now. And I, I, I uh, compile these ideas and then present them in books. Well, it's, it's an amazing story. And of course, you know, we see who you are today. So understanding some of the context and a little bit of the backstory is very helpful as well, yeah. because as our listeners are on that entrepreneurial journey, as they're building businesses, it's important to realize that, you know, the snapshot that we see when we're looking on social media or looking at somebody's marketing piece tells one nugget of the story or paints yeah, yeah. the picture that or paints the picture that somebody wants us to see, but man, yeah. it does not tell you about the the seasons of life and the struggles that you go through. And th so thank you for sharing that. I'm I'm curious when it comes to the writing process and more specifically about your most recent book. I've I've in researching you and listening to some of the shows that you've been on, you've you talk about the the how long it takes you the investment of time in bringing a book to life. I've mm. heard everything from five years and maybe sometimes even more. So speak to yeah. that for just a moment. What, what is that experience like? What are, what, what are you doing during all of those years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the average book does take me five years to write. Uh, it's a labor of love, but it is a labor. Uh, get different thing with seven years. So there's there's first the, the, the hypothesis. Like I think you know, he, I know the problem that, that people are trying to solve by querying my audience. I, I ask people, you know, where are you struggling now? I, I'm very fortunate to be in contact with thousands of entrepreneurs uh, through email and so forth. And, and when I hone in on what a common problem is, I'll then start connecting with uh, a few dozen folks to really dig into their challenges and get a sense to codify the problem. Then I start uh, applying research. Who solved this problem? Um, what is the uncommon solution that's having an extraordinary effect that people aren't aware of, that I'm not aware of? And then once I start assembling these ideas, uh, because I'm, I'm fortunate, I, I actually have now uh, six businesses. I, I own two in equity. And I have four more that are licensees and I'm partnered in. I start testing these ideas out and say, okay, uh, I hear that if you do X, you'll get Y but that's only one data set. Let me try in six more data sets. Once I start getting some traction here, I'll try it with, with my readers. Um, 
most of my time is spent in the research phase and testing. It's the final two years before a book gets published, maybe two and a half years, where I start writing. Now, I write every day because I work on books in parallel. I'm not just working on one book for five years or seven years and then the next. I'm working right now on four books simultaneously in different stages. One just went to manuscript, um, what's called first pass. Another one is just about in the pitch phase, meaning all the research is done and assembled. Now I got to pitch it to my publisher for writing. Uh, There's two others that are in active research right now. And um, once once I I start writing it, um, uh, I have enough data sets, meaning from my own businesses and now from people that have rolled it out, I can compile stories of the application of it. And then the book comes out. So that's my process. I don't know if that's typical of many authors. I I think um, some authors are able to just pull from their own experience alone and and, and they can roll out a book pretty quickly. But for me, it really is a long, long process. Mm, Well, very detailed. So I want to jump right into your most recent book, and that is Get Different. And the very first thing that one notices about this book when you see it is the the, the, the color, how it pops, how it stands mm. out, how it's calling to you. And it really, I mean, when you think about the title, it, it encompasses everything about that title as you're looking at it. Then you get the pleasure of digging into it, right? Yeah. But what I found was that throughout the book and throughout researching you and looking at your content, everything that you do seems to be very intentional. Mm -hmm. And when you think about someone who is different, who stands Mm -hmm. out, who looks for ways to differentiate themselves from the entire marketplace, you you come to mind every single time I think about that. So share with us about the intentionality between the colors, the, the way that you organize this, why was it put together this way? What were, what was your vision? What were you going for? And did you accomplish it with this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we always have to start at the end in mind. That's a popular and, and true axiom axiom. And uh, you know, I, I want the, the community of small readers uh, of small business owners to discover this. And, and really my intention is to make it one of the definitive marketing books for small business. And there's, there's many established extraordinary books. Purple Cow happens to be one of my all-time favorites, but there's, there's uh, Don Miller's work, Story Brand is a must read. Um, I, I didn't want to uh, recapture what they've already done. I wanted to present a new flavor, a new spin and actually get, which is my core competency, get to the, the essence. And often it's kind of like a duh, I had a V8 type of moment. It's obvious, but it's un, underutilized. I wanted to get to that. And I think particularly when it was a marketing book, I better be expressing what works in the get-go. So what I did is uh, I realized that there's a saying, don't buy a book based on its cover. And the reason I say that is because people buy books based upon its cover. And that points to the fact that the cover, the design of your book is a critical marketing piece. So I, I ran a simple analysis. And, and this is um, instituted in the book throughout that whatever the common approach is, is the one thing we shouldn't be doing. So I did an analysis of all the books in the space that are out there and saw that there was a commonality in the way they presented their own covers. So I said, okay, what's the opposite of that? One way to get attention is to do what no one else is doing. In fact, that's the only way to get attention. It triggers people to take that double look. The other thing is that I strike that balance is getting different does not mean getting outrageous. I'm not saying be inconsistent with who you are. 
So it had to be fluid with me. And if someone's watching the video, you can see behind me, I have a sign that says, be you always. That is one of the core tenets to effective marketing. The only thing someone knows about your business until they do business with you is your marketing. And if there's an incongruency, there's going to be instant mistrust. I'll give you an example. I was on uh, Zoom last week and this person, a few people were on the call and it was, wasn't started yet. So people's had their cameras off and their pictures pop up. I remember looking at this one picture. I was like, wow, this woman is awfully young to be on this call. Almost like she's in high school. I didn't expect that. It's interesting. When she turned her camera on, I was like, oh my God, you, you just aged 30 years in one second. What happened? Well, obviously what she was doing, she put one of her favorite photos from the past up. Um, she's an extraordinary person. That wasn't necessary, but it's her favorite photo. But what it triggered was for me an incongruency. I expected one. I saw something different. And there's a little bit of subconscious mistrust. So in developing the concept, but also developing the book, it had to be consistent with me. So is it different than the community, but also is the expressive of who I am? When someone reads the first words in that book, in my book, they better say, oh yeah, this is consistent with what I expected when I saw this book. And if someone says, oh, I know this author guy, I've seen them before. I want them to say, oh yeah, this is consistent with who I know. And if they know me personally, I want them saying, yeah, that's him. There has to be that congruency. And that, that's how that book cover came about. Well, you have definitely uh, attacked that one head on because from the moment you pick up the book, from the first page as you start to read it, if you have consumed enough of your content and seen you speak before, your your level of of humor, the way that you you approach a topic, comes out immediately, and you've definitely captured that very well. And again, it goes to not only the congruency, but also being just being you. And you seem to write the way that you speak, the way that you show up. And it, it really is, uh, I, I love that because it could have gone in a very different direction. So let's talk about, you already brought up one uh, key area, which is congruency, but share with us some of the, some of the pitfalls that, that you see businesses running into when it comes to marketing. What are they not doing well that yeah. they need to start paying more attention to? We're going to take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors. You're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Jay Shear. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur trying to figure out how to improve and achieve greater results? If so, I'm speaking to you. I provide the tools, coaching, and accountability you need to gain clarity around your personal and professional goals, remove the excuses holding you back, build the mindset, leadership skills, and proven strategies to grow your business and become the best version of yourself. To learn more or to apply for my coaching services, call 904-236-0431 or visit jshearbusinessconsulting.com. There's no business like show business like no business I know. Visit the Fitzgerald Performing Arts Center at Flagler Auditorium. We're about to release our new season of professional touring shows. Visit our website at flaglerentertainment.com. Sign up for our newsletter. You can be the first to know about our shows and special offers. And remember, every time you buy a ticket to a show, you support the performing arts in Flagler schools and you support our local economy. 
In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves more than just average. It deserves Flagler Media. We specialize in innovative and dynamic marketing solutions tailored for mid-sized businesses with ambitious goals. Our team of experts are dedicated to helping you stand out from the crowd, drive growth, and elevate your brand. Ready to take your marketing to new heights? Choose Flagler Media, where we turn great ideas into remarkable results. Visit us at flaglermedia.com or call us at 386-227-6477. Flagler Media, exceptional marketing for exceptional business. All right, we're back. And again, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat. Let's get back to my conversation with special guest, Mike McCallowitz. Well, what they're not doing well is they're actually following the instruction set. Um, and there's a few instructions when it comes to marketing. One is use best practices. Now, here's the irony. A best practice is an established pattern. And the consumer, we all become very effective ignoring things. The next time you go to your mailbox and that junk mail is there, notice how quickly you sort through it. You don't need to open those envelopes. Bing, we're throwing them right into the recycle bin. So doing what everyone else does is the one way to be unnoticed. The human mind becomes habituated or used to it and therefore ignores it. There's actually a case study in New York. I live outside New York City and uh, they had to change the sirens on ambulances because people were being killed by ambulances. <laughs> you know, the, the exact vehicle designed to save people was killing people because people were walking across the street with a wailing siren that was going high, low, high, low, and they had become habituated to it, became ignorable because it wasn't relevant to them. They're getting crushed by these things. Most marketing is ignorable. So step one is don't follow the best practice. I think the other belief that circulates is in marketing is if it isn't working, you're not doing enough of it. And that's often not the case. If it isn't working, we have to investigate why isn't it working. So I run that Facebook ad and uh, you know everyone tells me it's amazing and you'll get all these opportunities and no opportunities are coming my way. The reframe then is, oh, you're not spending enough money. You're, you're not doing enough of it. Usually that's rarely, I should say, this is that the case that more money will solve a marketing problem. It's more innovation. It's more out-of-the-box thinking. The key lesson though, is when we differentiate from the market is has to be consistent with you. It cannot uh, or should not be outrageous as you define it. I'm not suggesting to people is that you have this professional brand and now you have a Bozo the Clown costume that you're wearing to walk around. You will be noticed, but that won't compel the right audience. Ultimately, different marketing is an amplification of your natural self. It's more of you, but uh, it is true to you. So you don't have that Zoom moment where people have this, uh, who was this? The only experience people have with your business is your marketing until they do business with you. So it has to be consistent with you, but different from the market. Hmm. Wow. Beautifully said. So let's talk then about the dad framework. This is such a relevant section and such a, a, a large piece of what this book is about. So walk us through what the dad framework is. How can we apply some of these tools in our businesses? The dad framework is effectively a checklist. It's the three elements that make effective marketing. This is a side note. I hear so many dad jokes now. I'm like overwhelmed by dad jokes, but it's an easy acronym to remember. And that's why I used it. But first your marketing must differentiate. And that's what we talked about. It must break the common noise. That's the only way you garner attention, but you'll generally get attention 10th of a second. That's how the human mind works. Next time you're walking down the street and you notice you do that double take, right? What was that? your mind will pay attention to it for about one-tenth of a second before the next thought that comes across. And that thought is, is this relevant to me? Now, it's relevant if it's a threat. If someone running with a knife, you do a double take, you start running. If it's an opportunity, there's money 
kind of on the street loosely and you double do a double take, you'll grab it. Or if it's unexpected, it needs to be qualified. If you do a double take and it's just more common noise, you ignore it. Well, this next component is the attractor factor. So be different to get noticed. But then you must have A in the dad framework. It must be attractive, meaning it needs to speak to your audience. Does it solve a problem they have? Does it address a need? Or is it simply entertaining or does it educate in some capacity? Is there a compelling reason to stay engaged? And one of the biggest determinants of that is, are you simply speaking their language? Hmm. Are you speaking to something that speaks to them? Imagine uh, I was doing this presentation or, or conversation say, hey, in Japanese. Uh, I don't speak Japanese, but imagine I was. The vast majority of the audience would tune out if you don't speak Japanese. But the one person or a few people that do speak Japanese would say, oh my gosh, uh, I didn't expect this guy to present Japanese. Now they're fully engaged because it's speaking their language. In this case, literally, I'm saying in a figurative format, speak to your audience. And when they hear you're speaking their language, you understand them, they get engaged instantly, particularly if it's in a context unexpected. Next time you, I've done this uh, because of work, I've, I've traveled throughout the world. I was in Russia and uh, I don't speak Russian. Uh, I'm sitting at a cafe having a cup of coffee. You hear a lot of priviets and dania, yes, and so forth. And all of a sudden I heard something in English and that guy became my best friend because mm. I could have a conversation with him. That's attractive. In a, uh, in a, in a world where there's this common noise, be the exceptional noise and the right people be attracted to it. But that so alone is not enough. Before you, move, before you move forward, yeah. because you, you've mentioned this a couple of times and it's, it's speaking to your audience. So let, let's sidebar for just a moment and talk sure. about the importance of identifying who your audience is, who your ideal client is. Because when I hear someone say that anyone can, that can fog a mirror is my ideal client, I, I right. cringe. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. Speak That's, to that for a moment. Yeah, it's extremely dangerous because uh, if you serve everybody, you can't speak all languages. It's like saying, oh, I'll speak the 117 languages on the planet. I don't think there's a single person that can do that. And we are saying effectively by fogging the mirror, oh, I can speak everyone's language. We can't. But the, the more narrow you are speaking to a community, you can understand their pains so well, you, you can express them even before they can. And that's when someone says, oh my gosh, you get me. So that's what our goal is. I call it the who, what, and when. Um, the who is the definition of the, the person you're targeting. The what is what is compelling in their need. What's their problem? And the when is what will be of service to them and to you. It's got to be a mutual win. Once you know the who, what, and when, it's very easy to determine that attractor factor. Mm, wonderful. Okay. So let's so, keep going with the dad framework. Yeah. So the last part of the dad, the D stands for direct. And it's probably the most overlooked. So differentiate first to get noticed, attract to get engagement, direct to compel. We, we need to tell the prospect what to do with this now. Many people are totally obtuse. Say like, oh, imagine this, how crazy this would be, Jay. I have a car lot. You're looking for a car. You come into my lot. I'm the salesperson. I say, hey, welcome. Uh, and you say, hey, I'm here looking for a new car. And then my response is, that's wonderful. Enjoy yourself. There's this lot. There's competition all throughout the county. Good luck. You big, um, what? And, and that's what most businesses do. Now, how we do it in a website is I go to someone's website and the button says, learn more. The whole reason I went there was to learn more. I know I'm learning more. Now I want to take an action. Other people go too aggressive. You know, you come into the lot and I'm like, how can I help you? I'm looking for my dream car. Great. Give me a hundred thousand dollar deposit and uh, we'll start looking around. That's obscene. Why would you do that? You don't even know who I am yet. Forget it. And you walk out. We have to have a reasonable, safe, and specific direct. 
So if you walk into my lot and I say, Jay, what are you looking for? You say, my dream car. I would say, would you be willing to give me your cell number? I can text you pictures of our inventory here and the other lots and we can hone in on it. There's a transaction happening there. Permission to reach out to you and have your contact information. You're benefiting from seeing what you like and you don't like. And maybe that will, and the intention is to move to the final transaction where you get your dream car and I get my commission, but we have to take in reasonable steps, but we must direct giving the prospect specific action to take. So that website, get rid of that, learn more. My gosh, get rid of that. Instead of having, you know, download uh, the information file or the PDF that will give you some insights into what you're looking for and me permission to reach out to you afterwards or schedule that call. Um, or, or whatever it is, but give a specific direction that is safe, reasonable, but also specific. Uh, such great examples. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to imagine that we do forget that call to action step that what do I do next? Because it seems like it's so logical. It seems like it's common sense, but, you know, as we know, common sense isn't always so it's pretty uncommon, common, right? Right. It's pretty uncommon. So yeah. if, if someone wants to work with the, the dad framework, yeah. do if, if what happens if they don't follow all three steps? What if they the follow two? Crippled. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to jump on you like that, but the, the marketing okay. is crippled. And I, I see it all the time. The most common is the direct is missing. You, you see these Super Bowl commercials and uh, there is these wonderful new different commercials. So we're compelled. They're great stories. Snowflakes coming down, Clydesdale walking by, Dalmatian running. I want to insert myself there. It's attractive, but Budweiser isn't saying at the end, you know, scan this QR code and give us your uh, email address so you can get a coupon. That would be a great direct. Um, now, Anheuser-Busch has a $1.6 billion marketing budget. They're going for brand awareness. That is really bad uh, direct marketing or not direct marketing. That's really bad marketing in general because there's no specific direct. So we have to do that. Um, the goal here is if you, if, if you don't do all three, your marketing won't get noticed if you don't differentiate. It could be as attractive and specific as possible, but it won't get any attention in the first place. So you lose. If it differentiates and it's not attractive, people are going to be repelled by it. That's like wearing a Bozo the Clown costume and saying, hey, buy for me. Who buys from a clown? They're all, everyone knows the clown's a murderer in the first place anyway. Like, you know, we avoid that. Listen, if you're in the business where a clown would be appropriate, by all means do it. You got to be attractive to your community and inevitably that's being consistent yourself. And like I said, if you don't have that direct, people don't know what to do and they abandon. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. So my friends, all of you that are listening right now, we're going to link to get different in the show notes. We have barely, barely scratched the surface. Mike goes into a tremendous amount of detail, provides the tools that you need to be able to level up your marketing, get different, stand out from the crowd and see more success in your business. Mike, what challenge would you like to leave our audience with? Well, I invite them to uh, take a simple action, reach out to three friends in the past and three current friends or acquaintances and ask them what makes you different. Here's what's interesting. When you reach out to the blast from the past people from the school days and say, what makes me different? You'll probably see a common thread in what makes you different with people today. Here's your uniqueness. Here's what I remember about you. That common thread is your marketing lever. Use that uniqueness about you, amplify it in your marketing, and now it's true to you. And therefore, not only will it be effective because you're distinguishing yourself from the competition, it'll be the experience that's congruent throughout the entire experience from marketing to, to service with your business. Ah, wonderful. Love that challenge. Everyone pay close attention. Make sure that you take Mike up on that one and share the responses and the feedback that you get after you follow through on that challenge. So Mike, 
Before we wrap up, one final question to you. Sure. What is one of, outside of your family, what is one of the greatest gifts that life has given you that you did not realize at the time? Oh, yeah. Arrogance, which doesn't sound like a big gift, but when arrogance burned me because I thought I knew everything, I learned to reinvestigate my entire life. And, and I, I think I will for the rest of my life question everything um, and, and find better answers or truisms for myself. So wow. arrogance, as, as nasty and ugly as that was, it opened my eyes to learning. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Mike, thank you so much for spending some time with us on Business Minds Coffee Chat. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for bringing your amazing work to life, especially with Get Different. What a fantastic book. And I appreciate you. And I'm grateful for you. Likewise. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into Business Minds Coffee Chat. We'll be back next Saturday morning at 830. Until then, keep learning and growing and keep doing the work to reach your potential. Take care, everybody.